Hello folks, Eric from Hit Subscribe here. Um, apologies for running a little late on the normal Facebook Live time. I was actually just interviewed as a guest on a podcast, so that was kind of fun. Um, today's question comes out of our Slack. I kind of boosted this one to the front of the line just because it was interesting. Um, and well, in Hit Subscribe's wheelhouse. So the idea is how do I get started with content marketing um, for a, a freelance practice? So let me read the question, eliding anything that isn't super relevant, but it's um, do you have any tips on so-called, quote, content marketing? Uh, I'm a total newbie at it, and most of the advice I see is geared towards people who have a product to sell, like a course or an ebook. I sell consulting services such as legacy remediation strategies, maintenance cost lowering, and quality improvement, so I don't really have a ready-made product I can use snippets of. How do I find relevant content to write about so that my out-of-network prospects become aware of me and get in touch? Um, so there's a fair bit to unpack here, um, and I will try to do that in some kind of coherent order, uh, relatively improvising. I did make a few notes here. Um, so I guess let's start by talking about what actually content marketing is, and I'm not doing this to be pedantic. It's kind of important to define. Um, the person asking the question referred to it as so-called content marketing, you know, his quote's not mine. Um, and I could understand where you'd be a little like skeptical or like confused about what that meant. The way I think about content marketing, and I don't know if this is like the official definition, but you know, as a content marketing business and somebody who runs all the strategy for that business, I feel like I have a little license to freelance here, but um, content marketing compared to other forms of marketing, the, the rule of thumb that I have is obviously you are creating content, it's called content marketing, but you're creating content that could be something you would sell as a standalone thing. I'm not saying necessarily sell it for a lot, but the content is valuable in its own right. It isn't performative content. It isn't advertising copy or product marketing or you plugging yourself or creating a resume or anything like that. Instead, it's content that informs, entertains, helps, whatever. The idea with content marketing is that you're creating something that in theory somebody might pay for just because it has standalone value. Um, this isn't to say that like all of the content marketing that anybody creates is good or somebody actually would pay for it. But the idea is that it provides value. So, um, it, you know, that could happen in a number of different ways. You could be entertaining people, like writing an op-ed type column and people follow you. Maybe it's a YouTube channel. Um, you're creating videos that entertain people or you might be writing tutorials or creating uh, a book that you give away for free. In some capacity, though, it is um, content that would have some kind of value, but you're giving it away for free. The implied quid pro Quo, the reason that you're doing this is the marketing piece, and that's you're creating this content that you're giving away for free and willing to give away for free with the idea that some of the people will be entertained by you or like you or trust you or whatever, um, and you will hold their attention for long enough that they eventually become a customer of yours. So it is this kind of tit-for-tat, quid pro quo, like I mentioned, where you're entertaining them, you're helping them, you're doing something for them with the hope that eventually they appreciate that enough to consider your sales pitch. So that's content marketing in a nutshell. In terms of the person asking this question, who's selling services? So um, for those of you who are engineers, legacy code remediation is basically, um, you have code, let's call it bad, like bad software that's not right if you're a software person, but if you're not, you have some form of bad code and it's making that better. Old code, code with certain kind of problems that people are afraid to touch. Um, this uh, person is coming in and uh, improving that. 
reducing the cost of maintenance, helping with quality. So that's a very kind of specific service. Um, kudos to the person asking this question for having identified a form of niche instead of just saying, I'll write any kind of software anyone wants me to. Uh, we've talked about that before. I'll link to it on YouTube um, specialization. But um, how do you then leverage content marketing uh, to advertise this practice? And that's kind of a tough question. Um, you could, and what the person is asking about here is essentially, I think the assumption is I would start a blog. And um, not only is that something you could do, it's what I did. So for a lot of years, I um, wrote a blog. I still post there occasionally, deadtech.com. And I built a pretty robust following. I think at its peak, it probably had 10,000 plus followers. And um, you know, I would get on the order of half a million visitors to the site per year. And I did this by writing content kind of laboriously and you know um i started in 2010 i think it was writing content and like i just wrote regular content for like three four years eventually i started to gain some steam and a following so it was a lot of work and this work that i did creating blog content um, it did eventually lead to leads and career opportunities and all kinds of stuff but i wouldn't really call this efficient um if you were to do the math on it I have over the years written at least, I want to say 1,200 articles on dead tech. And if you say that the going rate of a blog post in the space is about $500, that means I've you know put $600,000 worth of labor into creating content for the dead tech blog. Did that lead to $600,000 worth of business for me? Probably. Um, but that's not really the most efficient way to get you know $600,000 worth of business. The reason I'm bringing this up is, can you write a blog uh, sure. Can that blog bring you leads? Yeah, absolutely. Will it be an efficient way to bring yourself leads compared to other styles of content creation and content marketing that you could do? It's pretty debatable. Um, so I guess all that is to say, I don't know that a blog is how I would go about content marketing for uh, high ticket services. So if you're selling legacy code remediation, those engagements are almost certainly gonna start at you know $50,000 or more. You're probably going to be doing like dedicated work for somebody for several months. So that's an expensive thing that you're selling and you can't deliver all that many of them. And is the best way to market an expensive long-term service um, content marketing through a blog? I would argue not. And so I'll get into maybe some alternatives. That said, if you loved a blog, if you liked the idea of writing and creating content, that was true of me. Um, it was as much hobby and labor of love as it was anything with a directed like career goal in mind. Then absolutely go create the content part of the content marketing. If you were happy just to create content, I wouldn't dissuade anyone from that. If I could go back and do it over, I probably would, you know, go back and still have the blog because I just loved writing the blog. And as um, someone else pointed out in the discussion that followed in the Slack, the blog can create a lot of optionality for you. So maybe you aren't sure what you're going to market later, um, but if you uh, have the blog, you know maybe it can help you get another job. Maybe you will launch a book or um, a, a product of some kind. So it, building an audience, um, building traffic to a site can create a lot of potential later for you to do whatever you want with that traffic, assuming it's the right audience demographic. So that said, um, is a blog the way to go? I wouldn't think so. Let me talk about content channels for a moment. Here are some you know options that are available to you. There is the blog, there's written content. Written content tends to be transactional in the way it's consumed. So if you write content and people find you through a search engine or maybe um, they find you because somebody tweeted out your article, 
there's a lot of ways that people wind up on your website and they do a one and done visit. So they get to your site, they read some post you've written and they never come back. That's just kind of the nature of blogging. It would have been less common 20 years ago when blogging was a pretty uh, blue ocean space. But um, these days, the blogging market is utterly saturated. I remember reading lately that something like 7 million blog posts a day are created. So yeah, there's a lot of people out there vying for your attention. Um, so you can build a following if people like your writing and they just want to read whatever you put out. That's what I did. Um, it's kind of hard to do. And blogging doesn't create the best parasocial relationship of the media that you have these days. A parasocial relationship is where, um, you know, think of this if you have like a podcaster that you listen to or, you know, you follow celebrities or something, you feel like you know the people on your favorite show or podcast, but they don't know you at all. That's a parasocial relationship. When you create a following, you're creating parasocial relationships. A blog is an eh way to do that because the medium of written text is not overly personal. It can be if you have a unique style, if people really resonate with your content, but um, that's a little tougher. So written content tends to be more transactional. People, you know, see maybe your article went to the top of Hacker News and people read one article and they're gone. Uh, maybe they follow, find you through the search engine, somebody tweets an article, et cetera. So there's a lot of transactional consumption of content. Some small portion of those people will stick around and become followers or maybe read more about you or whatever. Um, but that's the nature of that medium. It's a lot of effort to get a lot of um, kind of transactional visitors. And for that reason, it tends to lead better to the things that are impulse or one-time visit purchases. Meaning, if you're selling some book that you wrote for $9, somebody can hit your site once, be interested in an article you read, and then, yeah, they'll make a $9 purchase. What they're not going to do is hit your site once and then be like, sure, I'll give you $50,000 from some legacy code remediation. That's not a purchase you make in a single visit. So the blog medium is... Eh. Um, more sticky media are like video or podcast. So if you start a podcast or you create a YouTube channel or, um, I don't know if it's a TikTok channel, like you go on TikTok and have an account. If you build a following in audio or in video, those are sticky media. They're better for creating parasocial relationships and following. Um, so that's another option at your disposal. If you can gain a following among an audience, you can keep speaking to them and that can lead is more likely to lead to purchases. That said, you're going to be selling uh, legacy code remediation to um, like C-suite type people. That's going to be a director level or above buyer that signs off on that. That person's probably not following you on TikTok, so I don't know if that's a great channel. Um, and again, it's an expensive one to create. Also, compared to your blog, you don't own a channel um, like YouTube. You, you know, I guess you could post videos to your site or you would own your content in a podcast, but be careful about getting on platforms that you don't own. So there are other channels. I mentioned TikTok, but you could create content for LinkedIn, for Twitter, etc. cetera. Um, more and more these days, you can't just create a blog post and then blast it out across all these channels and hope to gain a following. You actually have to create native content for these platforms because the platforms, guess what? They don't like you going off the platform to somebody's blog post. So they're going to reward you for creating big, long LinkedIn posts. So any channel, um, where you're trying to build a following and create content and do content marketing, you're going to probably want to target that channel in earnest and get good at that channel, build a following, build relationships. Uh, you don't own the channel, but social media is kind of nice because there's a, you're not building a following, which is hard work. You're kind of, um, you know, engaging in this exchange, I guess when you befriend someone on LinkedIn or Facebook, it's like, um, here's a friend request. That means I'm going to, you know, 
put up with your stupid political rants in exchange for you uh, reading about my legacy code remediation services. So it's easier to build a following on those channels. Um, but, uh, you know, the viewership isn't as valuable. So uh, that's a range of things that you could do. So that's a lot of stuff that you could do as a long play. But here's the thing. If you're selling legacy code remediation, you can't really maintain that many leads in your general pipeline because if you have 20 leads for your legacy code remediation services, you're selling like four month long projects. You can only have like one, two, three leads because as soon as one of them engages you, your dance card is full for the next three or four months. So you have to tell the rest of them, hey, sorry, you know, call me if you still have problems months from now. And they probably won't. So there's only so much business you can serve, which means that um, you have to think in terms of the media on which you're creating content uh, of how wasteful or not you're being. So something like, you know, a YouTube channel or a blog post you know, or a, a blog where so you have tens of thousands of visitors and maybe of those tens of thousands, like dozens at any given time are interested, you can't really deal with all that traffic anyway. So let me talk about some channels that maybe are much more narrow and focused that you might not be thinking of where you can create or participate in content. So number one, you could go write guest blog posts. Um, you know, you could create uh, blog posts on channels like CIO.com or Slate, I don't know, like large publications would be one option. Or you could find guest blogging opportunities on uh, places that have um, software executives as their audience that are maybe a little bit smaller. And if you create a valuable piece of content to go on those sites, that's worth its weight in gold. I can tell you, um, or like, let me say this. So there's guest blog posts, guest appearances on podcasts that have an existing audience, um, guest appearances on somebody's like YouTube channel, things like that. Getting in front of other people's audience with original content that kind of flashes what you do is very valuable in general. And it's kind of perfect for a services-based business where every now and then you just want to drum up a handful of leads. So you go to a podcast appearance that a podcast gets, you know, maybe 2,000 downloads. Of those 2,000 people, three or four kind of want to reach out and find you interesting. That's the perfect amount. Go do one of those podcasts, deal with those three or four leads, get a gig, rinse, repeat every few months. I mean, I'm making that sound simpler than it is, but that's kind of the idea. Um, I can tell you that, like, to this day, there are sales calls that we have for Hit Subscribe where we'll be talking to somebody on the call and they mentioned that they, you know, heard me interviewed on some podcast or something that really does generate leads if you have a compelling message for that audience. Now, um, building your own audience is an enormous amount of work. Getting in front of somebody else's audience is much less work. It is still some work, though. You can't just wander onto a podcast with thousands of followers and they'll accept you. You have to create a pitch um, that the host that will be interviewing you thinks is actually valuable for their audience. It's not the hardest thing in the world to do, but you're going to have to spend some time on that. Um, so those are different channels. I mean, like speaking is another thing you could do. I would, and this is another one I've talked about before, like should you speak as a way to generate leads? Yes, if you have a really good plan and you are pretty confident that you're in front of your audience. No, don't go speaking to a bunch of other software engineers about legacy code remediation. Uh, nobody that can hire you is going to be in that audience. It's going to be kind of a waste of your time. So in these earned channels um, where other people have audiences, you want to make sure that audience is people that can actually pull the trigger on making a purchase. Um, so that being said, 
if I were going to content market for a business like the one you're describing, I would look to get in front of um, existing channels where my audience was hanging out, and I would create valuable content for them. Now, I don't mean to create a sales pitch. I would go on a channel like that and talk about, you know, for legacy code remediation, like, you know, something like, um, what are 10 signs a CIO could look for that indicate um, uh, pockets of legacy code that you might not be aware of? Like, what does it look like from the outside in recognizing legacy code? What are some signs that exist? So going back to our definition of content marketing, that's valuable on its own. A CIO would find that valuable. So you go on, you present that, and then any earned channel that you're on, they're going to give you a little chance at the end to plug and say, here's where you can find me. And then I would stand up a page. Um, you know, it's maybe yoursite.com slash appearance or whatever. And that's where you direct people um, to go from where you're presenting. So you actually create a placeholder page on your site so that you can speak right to those people when they, uh, when they convert and they come to your site from that uh, talk or appearance or what have you. Um, so all that being said, if you were committed to blogging, and like I said, you were kind of in it for the love of the game and the long tail and the optionality, if you were going to do that, here's how I would personally play blogging. Um, I would start out, if you have zero audience, by picking out and identifying um, things, questions that people ask on um, Q&A forums, you know, Quora, Stack Exchange, et cetera. Answer those questions on your blog. Figure out what pe questions people ask in the search engine, long tail, um, keywords from an SEO perspective, answer those questions. So drum up a bit of traffic to your site. If you can bring people in through the search engine, that is the most blue chip play there is. Um, it's the easiest content to earn a return on investment on. It's also a good way to get at least some people on your site and those people might stick around to follow you. If you decide you wanna build a following, you could create an editorial blog column where you're also kind of posting like your rants and hot takes and thought leadership stuff and then direct people um, from the things that they get onto your site, you know, those Q&A things, those uh, search engine terms. So you can direct them to your, you know, op-ed posts and invite them to subscribe to your um, email newsletter or um, to read your, you know, once a week article that you put out. So those are options. You could create a video channel or a podcast that you're inviting those people to as well. So what you really want to do, the essence of content marketing is one, get people's attention, and then number two, figure out a way to keep their attention, figure out a way to stay in their head so that eventually uh, when the time comes, they'll make a purchase from you because they remember you. So um, that's how I'd get started with content marketing. For the practice you describe, I would just look to you know do appearances on other people's channels where they have audiences so you don't have to go through all that effort of building an audience yourself. If you're going to build it, start with Q&A, build a little momentum and traffic through the search engines and then get those people to sign up and follow you and you can build some you know, um, thought leadership type authority in the space. Hopefully that helps and um, I will catch you all next time.